the Sea of Galilee has changed very little since Jesus walked its shores. Tourism is the major industry there now, but in Jesus' time it was fishing. Roman records note that more than 200 boats worked the lake back then, their catch dried and exported all over the Roman world. One negative. Men became fishermen because they didn't own any land, therefore had no respect from anyone in the community, and for sure they were not educated. So, it's curious that Jesus would recruit fishermen for followers, much less for potential leaders. Now, overlooking the northwest shore of Lake Genesaret, as Luke calls it, is the octagonal Church of the Beatitudes, where tradition says Jesus preached his sermon on the mount. It's really quite beautiful. Eight-sided, and each side overlooks the Galilee. Ancient Capernaum is just south of there. Then a little place called Tadga, with its Church of the Seven Springs. It remembers the feeding of the 5,000. This needlepoint representation of the beautiful mosaic at the altar there, just in front, you know, representing the loaves and the fishes. So it's quite historical in its own way. Between Tabga and Capernaum is a bay with amazing acoustics. The slope of the hill forming a natural amphitheater and to this day, even from far up the hill, you can easily hear people speaking along the shore. The setting for this morning's story. People crowding around Jesus, the fishermen out of their boats, cleaning their nets from the mud and debris that collect. Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to push off a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowd from the boat. Afterwards, he so said to Simon, push out the boat further to the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night long and caught nothing, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets. You know the result. Nets at the breaking point, so full of fish. When they called for others to join them, so many fish hauled in, the boats were almost sinking. Amazement. Then guilt. Not to worry, Jesus said. From now on, henceforth, or literally from the now, you'll be catching people. Near translation, I will make you fishers of men. This particular story is all Luke. Not mentioned in the other Gospels at all. I'm fairly certain it's a post-resurrection story from the early church, Luke making use of foreshadowing to highlight Jesus calling his disciples. Especially important, fish was one of the earliest Christian symbols, the cross carrying a negative image which could have depicted their leader as a criminal. So that wasn't used for a long time. Plus, ichthus looks like this were initials of the word of an early creed, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior. Illegal to be Christian back then, 
but people could casually sketch a fish in the sand for mutual identification. Catching fish became a byword for their mission. So, don't be discouraged if your initial efforts to recruit new members is sparse. Just keep working at it. If you follow the spirit of Jesus, you may start to bring people in. But all of you have to keep casting your nets, not just be dependent on your rector, no matter how good he is. You've got to do it too. I must confess that I'm not really comfortable with catching people. It smells of entrapment more than liberation, like colonialism when Europeans ensnared natives around the world. The Anglican Church in Africa still suffers from a history of Victorian Christianity, which has made them virulently anti-gay, even supporting the death penalty for them, and causing alienation from us and the American Church. I'll never forget the General Convention when New Hampshire had elected Gene Robinson, who would be the first openly gay bishop. For the timing, that convention had to decide. Trying to mend fences, our presiding bishop had invited a bishop from Nigeria to preach the sermon that Sunday, always the largest attendance in our time together. Bishop Ancanola scolded us. I thought, where was Michael Murray when we needed him? He had preached an awesome sermon the day before. Remember, Akinola said, when America sneezes, the world catches cold. Don't do it, he bellowed. That is, don't confirm an openly gay man to be a bishop. Parts of the Anglican communion are still angry at us for that. Fact is, I find myself fishing all the time. Inviting people to consider another way to look at Christianity that affirms mind and spirit, faith and action. Trying to liberate people from religious assumptions that can be barriers to faith. Too many are stuck, innocently trying to believe stuff their minds can't affirm, not accounting for differences of worldview back then. Too many try to find meaning on every page of the Bible, when sometimes there's nothing to find. I remembered as I was doing this, this man who was having trouble about to go bankrupt, didn't know what to do. And so a friend of his said, well, you know what I always do is I open the Bible, shut my eyes and just point, and there's always an answer there. So next day, the friend finds a man smiling. He said, what happens? He said, I followed your advice. What did you do? He said, well, I opened the Bible, shut my eyes and pointed there and looked. What did it say? Chapter 11. <laughs> That's the kind of thing that happens when people are trying to see something in every word of the Bible. My calling is to help people integrate religion with reality that they've experienced in life, which is where I find God, and together with the Jesus I've come to know and love, find meaning. This is a huge challenge. Episcopalians face a real barrier because the church in general 
has done a terrible job educating, and it's still going on. Plus, all this disinformation from television and radio. I don't know if you see this, but it's just awful stuff. It's tough to be an adult with a grade school level religious mind. The church has been too timid to speak or acknowledge the truth. Look at how it's fought science, still does. People are surprised to learn that we Episcopalians encourage each person to think for herself, himself. Some of you know my sermon mantra, when you come into the church, don't leave your brain at the door. If we Episcopalians dare to teach and preach the gospel in a liberating way, each person can have his, her belief and understanding. The spirit in which we disagree, far more important than agreement. When we teach an open inquiry to truth in all spheres of 21st century reality, involving a spirit of acceptance and inclusion, combined with a passion for social justice and loving hearts, our nets have the possibility of filling up. But we have to be willing to risk. As Jesus told Simon, push out deeper into the water. That's where the fish are not in the shallows. In those rough fishermen, Jesus saw potential. Note he didn't judge them for their limitations. He saw them for what they could be and translated their skills for a new purpose. Note how Jesus went to where they were, didn't wait for them to find him teaching in a temple. Now this is where you come in. At last week's clergy conference, Rob Boyles gave an excellent how-to. He said, it's hard and artificial, he said, simply to invite someone to church. Easier to invite them to do something you already love to do. In your relationship, the subject of church may come up naturally. If you feel inadequate, what do you need to be better at fishing. How can we on the staff here equip you to do that? Help you weave your net with knowledge, commitment, and vision. Is your understanding of Bible, belief, and history up to date? What about your understanding of our church's outlook on sexuality and issues of justice? I can assure you, your fishing will encounter questions that can tear holes in your net. But with confidence in your own faith, you can dare to push your boat into deeper waters, in other words, beyond your comfort level. Keep learning, helping, serving, with pure motive, no hooks. By the openness of your own spirit, invite people to see in a new way. Now, I don't agree with much about Jehovah's Witnesses, but they do go out. A difference is that in our Episcopal tradition, we believe in catch and release. Liberation is our goal. Imagine helping people break through guilt to forgiveness, from alienation to reconciliation, from brokenness to integration, 
from a life without purpose to one full of meaning, from disinterest to commitment. If you do this, I think St. Luke's may stop being invisible to people walking past here to Farmer's Market each Sunday, inviting them here to join us to celebrate a new way of thinking and living and loving like Jesus did that day. Amen. Amen.